Welcome to the Aggressively Average Podcast. Really forced to stay. I get all my facts from my gut. I'm not allowed to go out and do what I want to do. I'm going postal. 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 This is a list of the people who ought to die. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Fireside Chats with Blake. I'm your host, Blake Townsend, and today I am joined by Alexa Irizari. Say hello to everyone, Alexa. Hi, everyone. She is a comedian from Mansfield. I live in Cleveland. Oh, you? Yeah, that's right. You just moved to Cleveland. I've always lived in Cleveland. Really? Everyone just introduces me as I'm from Mansfield. See, that's why I thought. It's like, I didn't think you were until Chris Kettler said it. I think it's like I just have, like, the trailer trash Barbie look that people just assume I'm from Mansfield. <laughs> it's probably the meth mouth that um makes people think I'm from there. Okay, well, she is a Cleveland comic. I feel like we're going to have a very good conversation today because she is hilarious. She's lived a lot in life from what I've gathered in her stand-up. So, without further ado... Let's get the fire started. Alexa, when we were doing the sound check, you were uh, telling a story about getting pulled over? No, I wasn't pulled over. Oh. I was um, knocking doors because I um, do door-to-door sales for a living currently. And a cop like stopped me because some Karen like called the cops and was like, someone is soliciting and banging on our doors trying to sell us a bathroom remodel. And I didn't have a solicitor's permit. So the cop, now mind you, this cop looked delicious. If I was stranded on an island and there were a number of other things to eat, I would eat him still. There could be any number of establishments to get food. There could be a McDonald's. There could be a Burger King. I would eat this man. He was delicious. So he like- Hold put, on. Did he look anything like that uh, Brad at the funny stop? Absolutely. I love dumb jock alpha. That is my type. Oh, like he he was like oh sweetie you know I, I I really think I proved like white privilege because someone called the cops on me I was breaking the law I was soliciting without a permit and he's just like oh sweetie it's okay do you want a bottle of water let me give you a ride back to your car no honey you need a permit so you know why don't you come back another day when you have a permit and I was like oh okay <laughs> I was I was mad though that he didn't let me sit in the front seat yeah because I wanted to give him a roadhead I feel like that's Probably frowned upon on the job, but not saying it definitely hasn't happened. I mean, afterwards. Oh. <laughs> I'll wait till he gets off work. I know where he works now, so I'm going to be out there. I'm getting that police pension. On a previous episode, I've detailed a couple of interactions I've had with cops that definitely scream of white privilege. Like, I got pulled over the one time, and no lie, I had a beer can spill in my car. The Natty Daddies here. One fell on the floor of my car and, I don't know, just somehow popped part of it open and sprayed beer all over the floor mat. Well, I got pulled over the next day and my car still reeked of alcohol. And I got pulled over because my car, I had fallen asleep driving home from work and I hit the median. So I destroyed the left side of my car, like took the mirror off. It came and like broke into my window, sprayed glass all over me, broke my taillight. And I was driving to Stowe because uh, my friend's car was in the shop. So I was driving there at night 
to take him to work in the morning. And a cop pulled me over because I didn't have a taillight. And he's like, hey, you know why I pulled you over? I'm like, ah, I bet you it's the taillight. And the fact my car looks like it was just in an accident, because it was. And he's like, yeah, and I ran your stuff. You have a previous DUI. Your car smells like alcohol. So uh, I'm just going to give you a little test. And all he did, seeming to have me get out of the car or anything, he just did the like little like pen test with my eyes and goes, all right, you're good. I didn't have my license on me. I didn't have my insurance on me. Obviously, I knew my license number and I could show him I had insurance on my phone. But I don't see anything other than a white male getting away with having no license, no proof of insurance, driving a car that looks like it was in a wreck and smelling like alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you ever feel guilty like no. when things like that happen? No. Like, I don't feel guilty. It's not my fault that people are pieces of shit. <laughs> like, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm conflicted about it. Because, like, um, probably what we could talk about a little bit more, I have a huge past with um, drug abuse. I currently, um, yours clean. Oh, good for you. I still drink, but I have, um, I had a huge past with heroin, meth, crack. Like, all that fun stuff. And you don't ever get the urge to do it while you're drinking? No. Mm. I'm drinking... I don't know, drinking's one of those things, like, I have a few beers, I start getting a little lightheaded, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to bed. Everything else was, like, more and more and more. I don't know what it is, but, um, yeah, I'd, like, smoked crack in front of a police officer. <laughs> Let me go home, like, that day. No charge. Nice. Like, Did you suck him off? <laughs> no, but, like, I, I, like, did, like, the girly cry. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh. You know, like, I basically sounded like a girl's gone wild tape. And I think he let me off. And I didn't even have to get him off. So I think that's a win-win. <laughs> so, two years clean. How long were you doing drugs for? Okay, oh, my goodness, I love telling this story. Not really, it's depressing, sad. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Also, you could... Your, um, your listeners can probably tell from how I sound. Um, I'm a transsexual. So I, like, had, like, really um, low self-esteem. And I had this weird thing. I liked dating guys who, like, looked like the type of guys that would typically, like, beat the shit out of you. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I've dated, like, proud boys, like, neo-Nazis. Like, you know, I see the Confederate flag, and I think I'm going to get hate-crimed. And I'm just like, oh, this is exciting. It's like skydiving. And it, it's actually weird, though. Um, The one thing, you know, I kind of jump from topic to topic. But uh, the one thing I will say about guys like that, though, I've dated guys who were more liberal. I've dated conservative guys. I've noticed the conservative guys treat me like a woman. I don't know if it's like mentally they need to see me that way to um be able to do it. Liberal guys typically tokenize me. So I don't know. Like, like, they will announce that I'm trans when I walk into a room to kind of I, show how woke they are. That they're Yeah, I was about to say, I think it's them just trying to, like, be too much. Like, do too much when it's treat you like a human mm -hmm. instead of treating you like a transsexual. Like, yes, you are one, but you are you. You don't need to be treated like, oh, she's transsexual, guys. Like, look at her. It's like, yeah, this is Alexa. Yeah, and... um. Yeah, so I don't know why, but, like, I've dated a lot of ultra, like, alt-right guys. And um, my first boyfriend, he actually turned out to be my ex-fiance later on. Hold on. Before you get in that. First boyfriend, was there ones in between the time he became a fiance? Or was it, like, dated him? Yeah, no, he was, like, I was, um, I think I was just dying to feel connected to someone. Just because, you know, growing up, like, in, like, a smaller, well, I lived in Cleveland. But, I mean, it's not like today where it's, like, okay to be gay. 
Mm. You know, so I didn't date through high school or anything. He was like the first guy who ever like showed interest in me. You know, actually wanted me a second date, didn't want to just fetishize me or, you know, whatever. But um, before or after you transitioned? Um, after. Oh, is that so? You never dated anyone before? Nope, nope. I was uh, I was pretty. I was like an incel. Like I, I, I was, I was definitely not a Chad. I am definitely the premier incel, but I, I don't know if it's involuntary, really, because I definitely could have been with more people by now. But I have really high standards for how low my self esteem is. I have no standards. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just like there's a heartbeat. When no, no, I do have a standard. Um, well, not so much anymore. It used to be a six pack. Oh, I thought you were gonna just say they have to be. They have to look douchey. <laughs> well, yeah, six pack douchey. Like they could, they could have, they could have no job, live on their mom's like, you know, couch, no car, make me pay for every single date, leave me at a speedway gas station. I'm there. You have some tattoos and a six pack. I am down. Someone did leave you at a speedway gas station, right? More than once. <laughs> like I tell that story when I do stand up, but um. Yeah, that's happened to me five times. That's more times than it's happened to probably a hundred people together. Well, well, I used to be like a trap. Mm. Like, you know, I used to like, um, it's bad that like this could have gotten me hate crimed, but I used to trick guys. I don't know. I was just like, oh my goodness, I look like such a woman that like I can like trick this guy. Anyway, you know, eventually saying you're on your period doesn't work as a good excuse. And you're going to end... <laughs> many weeks like you can only use that for two weeks i don't don't know how female menstruation works (laughs) (laughs) well i mean there's base like i know this from i think it was a paul rudd movie where his wife or whatever was like being a bitch to him and she's like after like he fucking like railed into her like he lost his shit and like flipped out on her and she goes i'm sorry i'm just in my post-menstrual cycle and he goes no no you don't get to be a bitch three weeks out of the month because it's premenstrual, menstrual, and post. It's like, no, you don't get to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wish I knew that then. I would just be like, oh, I'm on my period. Oh, my God, I don't feel like it. Oh, my God, I forgot to shave it. Looks like looks like the jungle down here. There's some lemurs just slinging about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I used to, like, trick guys, and um, that will get you left places. But uh, my first ex-fiancé, he was, like, nice at first, but was a former meth cook. And when he relapsed, um, so many this happens to so many couples, you know, if one person goes down, misery loves company. And it became one of those things, oh, if you love me, you'll do this with me because I can share this part of myself with you that I can't share with other people. And me being the dumb, impressionable um, 21-year-old at the time, I was like, okay. And um, I started heroin that way. So it was 21, I used to 24. So only four years, but it was a rocky four years. When someone starts doing hard drugs, there's only two options. It's either, like you said, misery loves company, or you get the fuck out. There, I don't think I've ever heard of someone... Nah, no, I do know one couple where the, one, the guy does a bunch of drugs and the woman's completely clean, but they constantly get into fights about it. And it's like, you know he likes to do drugs. You're with him. It's either you tell him, stop or we're not together or he's gonna keep doing drugs yeah and i would like go in through that because eventually i know just for myself i would always blame myself like oh if i was skinnier if oh i had more plastic surgery you know they would like me more than they like the drugs but obviously that's such like a 
you know, messed that's a, up thought. Yeah, that's a low self-esteem thought, like that mm. you're not good enough when, no, it's, I had a, a girl tell me that her dad told her all the time she was the reason for his depression. And like, obviously that war on her, having your dad say something like that. And I told her, I'm like, that's not how depression works. That's not how feelings work. You don't make someone depressed. They are depressed. It's a chemical imbalance in their own head. They're trying to rationalize it by saying you're the problem. You're not. You're never the problem for someone's depression. You can't cause someone to be depressed. Yeah. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize that. I mean, so many, especially people today, I think they fall into that where they're like, oh, I can make them happy and I can change them. And I think the media plays a huge part in that because I feel like as kids, you know, especially in our generation. So like growing up all those Disney thing, you know, it's like the girl's responsibility to you know, change it, you know, beauty and the beast, that love turns the beast. And it's like such a societal lie that gets shoved down people's throats. And I feel like people fall into that trap. So I got into um, heroin. Then like, when we broke up, I started dating someone for the sole reason that he looked like MGK. <laughs> and th- this is the worst story of how to meet a boyfriend. Go on, I want to hear it. So I worked at a 7-Eleven at the time. All right, definitely already the worst. Go on. <laughs> I worked at 7-Eleven, and he would come into the bathroom. He would come in to use the bathroom at 7-Eleven to shoot up. Did he put the, like, needles and stuff, like, in the back of the tank of the toilet? Or did you guys have the, like, no tank? No, I I didn't know he was doing this at the time. I didn't find out to this till like, four months of us dating and living together. Did you just think that he was just a fan of the bathroom? Or did you think he was using it as a reason to come in to see you? Yeah, yeah, because he would always talk to me, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this MGK lookalike looks is into me you know and like me and my like small brain at that time I was just like oh my goodness this like straight MGK guy is hitting on me and he doesn't know I'm a tranny oh my god and like so I idiotically dated him for like five months we lived together got on a ridiculous amount of drugs eventually I got evicted as people do when they're on drugs so jump that's pretty standard absolutely like, I still owe that apartment money. Like, they mess me up going on to other applications now because it always shows that I owe them money. I was living in a place in Warren where I met a bunch of drug heads. Imagine that in Warren. I even had one fall asleep on my porch because she wanted us to give her a ride to go smoke crack at some dude's house. And her exact words to me were, crack's really not as bad as people say it is. It's totally fine. <laughs> You should do it with us. No, if you ever hang out, there's like a war in the drug community. Like, not the war on drugs, there's like a sub-war. It's like, um, people who are addicted to heroin, and people who are addicted to meth. Because I've, like, when I, when heroin was my drug of choice, people were like... I mean, I guess they do do opposite things to you. No, it's like, they just think they're trashier. It's like, this fight, like... I used to do heroin with people, and they would be like, oh, at least it's not meth. Have you ever seen how trashy those people look? And then this one dude's like, oh, I'm so glad you stopped doing heroin while he's, like, smoking meth out of a light bulb. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay. But that was the company I was keeping. So then I jumped from guy to guy. And you could tell I'm codependent by the fact that my drug changed every time my boyfriend changed. I don't even know if that's codependent so much as, like, I've done drugs, obviously, in my life, and... I have a gluttonous personality with almost anything. I binge watch shows. I once I if I order chicken wings, I'm ordering a huge amount, even if I don't think I can eat that many. What flavor sauce? Uh, Parmesan garlic. That's my that's my go to for everything. This seat has a wet heart stain on it now. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what drug I'm presented with. If I feel like doing it in that moment, 
that's what I'm going to do. And then like my brain gets like, all right, I'm out of acid. I need more acid. <laughs> or I did do cocaine one time. Cocaine? Like, cocaine. One night and I made all my friends that were there with me make a deal with me. I was like, I'm doing it tonight just because you guys are offering it and I've never done it. But if I say a single word about it tomorrow, don't. Don't let me do that because I know me. I know once I've had it, I get that like uh, addictive personality. But luckily for me, when I did cocaine, didn't really do much for me. And I did quite a bit. Like they kept on telling me like, oh, we weren't giving you really big lines. I was like, yeah, but I did like 20 lines, dude. Like, I don't care how little you gave me. (laughs) I think while like, you know, since we like both do stand up, I think there's something about like, you know, people who like to perform and things like that. I think it gives you a similar dopamine spike to like drugs. And that's why like a lot of people recovery or do you have that addictive personality tend to go into like some type of performing or arts or anything like that? Yeah, I've, I've always like, have you always wanted to do some type of performing art? Oh yeah. When I was younger, I used to want to be an actress, but I didn't think like trans people could be an actress. I was had to play an dead hooker on law and order special victims unit. Speaking of that, before we go back into that, when did you know you were trans? Oh my goodness. Okay. So I hate when people like, I didn't know. I'm sorry if you hate when people ask that. No, I hate, um, I when people say they're like, I always knew I was a little girl inside. Like, I, I hate that because... Um, well, you didn't. You were a child at one point and didn't know what a boy and a girl were. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think you need a word for something to be able to, like, express it in your mind. And when I was younger, obviously, there was not a word for it. Like, I used to imagine myself as a girl, but I had, like, short hair when I was a little boy. So, like, I imagined myself as, like, looking like Jamie Lee Curtis, like you know, in Halloween, like, H2O, specifically that movie. Funny. I actually was talking about Halloween H2O earlier today. Yes, and Jamie Lee Curtis with her short lesbian haircut. Do looking you, like she's somebody in that movie. Do you know, supposedly, she used to be a man. That's the rumor. No, it says she's a hermaphrodite. Oh, hermaphrodite. Well, I'm sorry, that, that's, it, it's 2020, intersex. Wait, that's, re- like, they changed the word hermaphrodite to intersex? Girl, you can't say anything in 2020 anymore. <laughs> I can't even say the word tranny. Yeah, I was actually talking to my friend, Chris, uh, that I'm staying with right now. I was telling him words used to mean something, but then other people apply it incorrectly, and then it gets banned from the vernacular. Like, idiot and moron were medical terms at one point, but then kids and immature adults started calling people that weren't medically idiots, idiots, and then it became offensive to call someone an idiot or a moron. Can we bring the word derelict back? Okay, first of all, I didn't know it went anywhere. Well, no one ever says it anymore, but, like, I was reading something and someone used it. No, I was reading something about Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy was talking about picking up trans hookers or how he got accused of it once. And he used the word, oh, I don't hang out with these derelict men. And I was just like, oh, (laughs) I I like the mouthfeel. Yeah, at least once a month I think of derelict my balls from Zoolander. (laughs) I just spit. Didn't swallow. But what? drugs. Back on. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Let's go back to oh. when when you oh, knew. When I knew. Um, goodness. Um, I always had an inkling, I guess. Um, I didn't know the word for it. I knew it was something that you could do till probably about 15. Like, Very short time after that, about a year, I kind of started, like, experimenting with, like, I grew my hair out. I started wearing makeup. But also, that was the MySpace days. Wow, so, you were actually well ahead of the curve then. Yeah, I transitioned before it was cool. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, it was MySpace. Like, you know, Jeffree Star, like, all of that stuff. There was su- such androgynous. 
that like I just kind of fell into that group and eventually you know when I was 18 I got on hormones pretty like as soon as you were an adult you were like all right time to go yeah time to go did it really quick had a boob job six months after that so when did you first want to start being an actress oh my goodness that was even younger that was like three I always wanted to do comedy like I used I don't know if this is a real memory or not, obviously, because, you know, memories get distorted as you age. But I remember a time where I literally, like, my mom had a guest over, and I went into the living room, and I was like, guys, I got jokes for you. And I made them sit down on the couch, and then I stood across from them and told them, like, fucking, like, chicken cross the road jokes and shit. (laughs) I've always wanted to do comedy. I've always wanted to be an actor. Like, my, like, I have a couple of life goals. I want to have a stand-up special. I want to be in one movie that plays in theaters, and uh, I want to get tackled from the side by a security guard. I've always imagined, like, you know, breaking into Geauga Lake, like, you know, just going through the little turnstiles, jumping over that, and then, like, having a guard tackle me from the side. I don't know. I've always just, I know that's weird to put up with stand-up comedy and being an actor, but those are my three life goals. Have you ever thought about combining them? Um, I mean, obviously. Like, you get cast on a movie set. You get fired, and then you have a freak out. You're, like, throwing things, and the security guard has to tackle you from the side, and then he's dragging you out, and you're cussing out the director. You know, full-on Mel Gibson, Britney Spears, 2007. You're, like, slightly drunk. Security guards got you by the ear. Well, first of all, you didn't have to say slightly drunk. That's my my baseline. That's where I stay. Uh, the, the guy who just opened the door and ruined our audio with a creaky door. Fuck you. Uh, he makes a big point on this podcast, letting everyone know that we're all alcoholics. Like, he's, he starts it off as he's the alcoholic, but then he lets everyone else know that it's, it's, a, it's a group affair with us. Yeah, 12-step meeting without the sobriety. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wish I had it in me to have a full-on meltdown like that. That would be cool, like, to get fired from a, a set. And just have a meltdown, but I can only have like meltdowns sarcastically, like full on, like screaming at people only happens when I'm fucking with them. Because when I get really angry or like upset, I just stop fucking talking to anyone. Because I know, I know when people get angry, they go for like the dagger. They go for like saying the most hurtful thing, whether it's real or not. And I don't like doing that to people. I don't like having like the intent to hurt people. Not in me. Like, I know I've done it in the past, like, when I was younger, but I don't like doing that. So whenever I get angry, I just shut the fuck up and don't talk to people. That's a that's a good strategy. I mean, because a lot of times you say things you regret when you're angry. Like, and I've done it. 100% done it. And I like everyone to be happy. I want everyone to have a good time when they're around me. Comes from, like, the low self-esteem thing. When I was growing up, I didn't think people wanted to be around me. So I just tried to build a personality around, well, I just want everyone to enjoy my presence. I don't care if you like me, but as long as I didn't ruin your day, we had a good interaction. I took this uh, test in rehab, and I think it's um, a common thing with people with, like, lower self-esteem. That a lot of times you have to feel, you feel like you have to compensate for your very presence. Mm. With something, so, like, I need to make them laugh. Like, for me, it was always appearance-based. Or, like, I needed to look, like, sexually viable or something because, like, I needed a reason to be there. You know, like, I used to never hit on guys. Like, if I went out, I wouldn't hit on a guy because I felt like I needed a reason to talk to him, you know? Yeah, I have that with girls, too. I totally get it. Like, I feel like, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness. I am, like, intruding on your very existence with my presence here. If I don't have a good reason, I need to run to the bathroom and cry a little bit. 
Oh yeah, I felt the same way. Like I was twenty five. I was quarter century old, a server at B dubs, and I could go up to your table and ask you, you know, like, hey, how are you doing? I'm your server, blah blah blah. No problem. But if someone was walking through the door, the greeters were supposed to say, Hey, how you doing? And if you were a server and you were the only one up there, you were supposed to say, do the greeter's job of greeting them and say, hold on, be a second. If I saw someone walking through that door and I was having to be like walking up front, I would just turn around and walk away so I didn't have to talk to them. Because I was like, I don't want to have to accost them when they come through the door. Because to me, like, I get they're expecting that when they see an employee, they're expecting, hey, how you doing? But I didn't low self-esteem. I was like, they don't want to hear it from me. So I'll just avoid that interaction completely. And just work on serving my tables. That is that is such a mood. Like that, that that's what the kids tell you say. That is like mood hunting. <laughs> but for real, yeah, it's kind of weird. I always wanted to be an actress. Then I think I think it's because like the low self esteem. Like I liked the idea of being able to be different people. Mm. Like um, well, I grew up on my dad would always watch when I was younger Mad TV. Like I grew up on that, and yeah. I loved that every skit they were a different person. You got to explore so much. I wanted to do that so bad, and I didn't, like, start kind of exploring that side of myself, like, with the comedy, at least. I did theater when I was younger, but then yeah, when I transitioned... I did, I did drama club in some plays, too. How was that? I loved it. Drama club, I don't... I didn't do it as much as I really wanted to. I think it was kind of, like, the stigma of being in drama club. Yeah, I was about to ask, were you, like, the only straight person there? No, no, I wasn't, but, uh... What? No, no, Where'd wait. you go to school? A small little town. Like, it was mostly girls. It was mostly girls. But there was a couple of guys. But I really stopped going there because I got too into character one time. And I was doing, like, uh, the Matt Foley, Chris uh, Farley type of character. Oh. Like, the -the over-the-top, aggressive yeller. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know what fucking made me do this. But, like, there was was a girl, uh, Sam Martin, that was one of my friends. Like, like really good friend of mine. But I was doing the whole Matt Foley and, like, screaming at people and, like, just being demonstrative. And I don't know what possessed me, but I reached into her purse because I saw food. Like, I saw, like, a snack or something she had in there. And, like, as part of my character, I just reached in there, just opened it up and shoved it in my mouth while I was still, like, screaming. And then afterwards, I was like, I just took someone's food. Like, for no reason. I just fucking took their food without asking. Oh, my goodness. In in prison, she would be like... (laughs) carving up a shank (laughs) i don't know i don't agree with that because i had to do three days for a dui uh suspension i got driving under suspension with a dui suspension so it's an automatic three days everyone there kept on trying to give me their food everyone i mean i'm working on a joke about this because like people just treat me as like a charity case or just super comfortable and just try to help me out just because i'm super beta in every single fucking way even in prison like the one dude's like you don't have any commissary money. We'll get you food. I'm like, I'm in here for three days. Do you see my body? I'll survive. Can I go to that prison? <laughs> I want to go there and just see if I can meet a hot guy. <laughs> it was a weird three days because the first day I, I did processing and I was in like the holding cell for like eight or nine hours. And then a guard comes by and goes, you're still in here? Yeah, no one's let me out, dude. So they took me there right around uh, like bedtime when everyone was getting locked in their cells. Didn't have a pillow or a blanket. And one dude was walking by and saw me laying on my bed with nothing. And he goes, you know, tall, like probably like six foot two, skinny black dude. And he like leans on the door. And he goes, 
notice you don't have a pillow. Why don't you come join me and my cell and we can hang out? And I was just like, man, do you see how small these beds are? I don't care how close we snuggle. We're not going to fit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so who would have been the little spoon? Who would have been the big spoon? That is the, that's the question. I feel like I would have been the little just because he had more length. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've like I said with like the whole like the type of guys that like super alpha, right? But sometimes I notice there's some like really short guys who like think they're like the most alpha dude <laughs> on the planet. Oh, so, like Brad. Yeah, Brad. Like, but the dudes like that they insist on being like, you know, especially with like a trans person because then it's like the, there's the whole like psychology of like, am I gay if I sleep with her? You know, blah blah. blah. So they almost like overplay the performative masculinity. And, like, sometimes it'll be, like, this short dude, and, like, he'll be, like, he'll, like, force himself to be, like, the big spoon. And I'm just, like, so awkward. I feel like I have, like, a little Care Bear, like, <laughs> just, like, riding my back right now. Yeah, I, uh, I like to describe myself as a alpha personality with a beta ego. So, like, or no, alpha ego with a beta personality. In my brain... I think of myself as, like, an alpha type. I get, you know, like, irrationally angry about things. I want to win everything. Like, all the typical, like, male jock type of alpha stuff. But by the time that thought is created in my head, and then what comes out of my mouth, it becomes a beta thing. So is it like you're thinking to yourself, and you're just like, oh my goodness, this dude cut me off. I am going to go give him the business. I'm going to shove my foot. Hi, sir. Exactly. I, I, I noticed you caught me in line. Oh my goodness, you're you're fine. I'm sure you have more important things to do than I do. Have a nice day. Do you want some of my money? <laughs> well, basically, you're right. <laughs> like, I worked at Taco Bell, and I got called in because uh, someone called off, and they called off all the time. And they asked me to come in, and I, I came in. I was pissed I had to come in. Like, I have a very, like, it was instilled in my mom, like, work ethic. She was really big on that. So, like, if I'm available to work and you ask me to come in, I'm going to do it, even if I don't want to fucking do it. So I came in and I was pissed off. I was irrationally angry. And I was at the back of the store just punching lockers in the back like, fuck, why the fuck do I have to come in here? And my girlfriend was standing there just, like, letting me fucking get the anger storm out. Then they told me someone was up front because I was working the front cash register. So I walked up there and I'm like, hey, how are you doing today? The guy's like, oh, hungry. I hope I came to the right place. Yeah, you came to the right place. We're full of food. And I walked back and my girlfriend goes, that was such a difference. <laughs> like you were freaking out back there. And then the second you went in front of a customer, you were like hunky dory. I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm sure, were you, were you ever employee of the month? I mean, we didn't have employee of the month, but I was definitely like some boss's favorite worker. They treated me as a manager, even though I wasn't a manager. Like the one day they called me at like seven in the morning on my day off. And I, I would at that point, even though it was taco fucking bell, I would literally only have like a day or two off a month because I was constantly covering shifts and shit like that. They called me at like seven in the morning on my day off and like, Hey, um, what does this get dated? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, there's literally sheets in the office that can tell you what gets dated, what, for how long. Don't you dare call me on my day off at seven in the morning ever again, unless you're going to pay me to be a fucking manager. For real. I think that's, um, that's like a thing that happens with so many employees though. Like, you know, it's like the good ones, you know, they, oh, will, they get, they get trampled. It's like, and it's difficult. Like, I think I'm a beta male. 
I think I'm a beta, beta male cuck, but, um, no, actually, I feel like more alpha ever since I transitioned. Like, I don't know why. Like, when I was a guy, I had trouble being assertive, you know, but, like, um, as a woman, I'm, I feel like I have, like, a domineering personality. Well, it's probably because you're more comfortable being you. You feel better about yourself. And, again, this is, I don't know if this is true. You may disagree, but, like, you probably feel more comfortable being who you are because it's who you want to be. So yeah. you're more willing to assert who you are yeah and it, it's weird though because i work with like those like jock alpha types because i work in sales so it's like all day it's like they're using football metaphors and stuff and you got my gay ass just like <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's it was funny when you were telling me about that how like you work in sales and it's all like alpha males that seems weird but then when i think about it, it was like when you say jock it's like yeah it makes total sense like they're just used to talking to people and then not really having anything else to offer yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's that's why where they all end up. They all end up in sales. But um, yeah. So I think it's weird that I because those were the type of the guys that like bullied me when I was younger, and now it's like that's the field I work in. But like I'm still beta enough. I let them shit on me a little bit. Yeah, I I have a real big thing. Like I can joke around all the time with people, but if I feel like someone's attacking me personally, and again, it's a low self esteem thing. Like once they had like. I get, fuck, I'm done with the conversation if I feel I've been attacked, like, on a personal level. And it's gotten me in some trouble with, like, friends when they're just, like, joking around. And then I just take something a little too personally. But it happens. Like, my cousin, he is an instigator. He tries to just piss you off, tell you the worst fucking things. Like, he has a friend who doesn't have the best teeth in the world. And they're messed up. And he calls them all the time, like, oh, you got a shark mouth. And I'm just like... That's not something to say to your friend. That's, like I said, when you're angry. That's something you say to someone when you're pissed off. <laughs> I do that, though. Oh, I, I'm a little bit of an instigator. Only with guys I date, though. I mean, if it's that super comfortable, your dating no. level, then it's fine. No, it's like, it, it's like, since, like I told you, I like dating those, like, straight alpha dudes. So, like, I like pushing the buttons till they snap on me. Cause it's like my sexual fetish. Like I'm like, I'm that little gay kid in like the gay porno. It like the jock comes in and bullies me. Like that is what I'm looking for. So I'm like pushing every button till I get that. I, I don't get it. Like, I don't like seeing people angry. I don't like being angry. I have some anger issues. I get angry really quick, which surprises a lot of people because I, I try not to take anything seriously. Cause I know that about myself. So like, I try to just not care about anything. So a lot of people think I don't care about anything, but there are certain things that really pissed me off. And my girlfriend at that Taco Bell, the one day her and the assistant manager were trying to piss me off on purpose. Like they were just prodding at me. And afterwards, my girlfriend's like, oh, I just, I think it's funny when you get angry. And I was like, you have no idea how fucking pissed I am right now. It's not fucking funny. Like, I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I love that. I love the visceral, like anger in someone's eyes. And again, it might be because you've you're a little bit beta, and you're like, oh, I want an alpha. I, I do. Like, I'm like a beta, and I want the little, the alpha big spoon. I don't know. I feel like I kind of have that with, like, um, my current boyfriend, just because, like, he used to, like, box and stuff like that. By the way, uh, if you listen to this, man, she shut the door on you when I tried to say hello when she got here, and I was very upset about it. So that's on her, not on me. That's the alpha in me coming out. <laughs> I was just like, Kevin, you don't deserve to talk to people. Slam. <laughs> Dude, I'm st I'm still like surprised with myself that I didn't recognize him without a hat on. 
It's his signature look. Yeah, I have a friend who always wore the backwards hat, but he would uh always cover up his eyebrows, so that was where he made it his signature look. Like, he never had his eyebrows showing. And the angle I have to wear a hat at to cover up my eyebrows, like, the bill's, like, sticking up like this. I don't know how he managed it. I want to do that. <laughs> no, because I, I was thinking, I was, I was, like, playing with myself in the mirror. Not like that. I wish. But, like... Um, I put a backwards hat on and like guys closed. I was like, I wonder if I can still like kind of look like a guy. I, w- I was like, I want to do a stand up set like as a stereotypical, like really douchey guy. I mean, you'd have to get rid of this. The little... Really? To, to, to look like a guy? Yeah. I know. I, I like used to fool around with a guy I met in AA who like had something like this. And he was like the Casanova of AA. That's so surprising. I've never, never seen a guy with one of those. And. For viewers at home, that's a dermal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, der- I have a, people always ask me, too. They're like, did that hurt? Did that hurt? And I got this done when I was on drugs. So I was on heroin crack. And oh my God, no. Fun, fun drug story. One time I like got really high and I tortured a dog. And by tortured a dog, I mean I made it listen through my screenwriting. <laughs> that's not where I thought you were going. When you said you tortured a dog, it made me think of the time I found a, a half-dead snake on the road, and then I used a shovel to keep cutting it into pieces until it stopped <laughs> slithering. And I was like, all right, she probably did that to a dog. And then you're like, no, I made it listen to my screenplay. Oh my god, it was terrible. <laughs> it was about Anne Frank, if she was resurrected as the Terminator. Her name was AF14. She was going to be played by Miley Cyrus. And she had to fight a John Benet Ramsey, who is actually a vampire hunter who faked her own death. I know you said that's terrible, but I feel like a 15-minute skit coming on where let's do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, and it was going to be directed by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, we don't have that budget. Oh, I, in my messed out mind at the time, I thought it was going to happen. And it was going to be like crazy. They were going to be like fighting for the fate of the country. Like, and there was going to be a samurai in there. And it turns out the person who was holding the key to the universe, actually Tanya Harding. So they all have to like get, to, they're racing to get to her. <laughs> Speaking of Tanya Harding, my friend showed me uh, a meme that he saw where it was uh, someone posted, well, I guess it's not a meme, it's just a picture someone took, but it was a picture of the I, Tanya movie. And someone was like, what movie is this? And someone responded, I, Tanya. And the person who posted says, like, I don't care who you are, I want to know what this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel, I feel, I feel like, um, I feel like that, that's the daddy of all dad jokes. <laughs> I... I actually, I don't know, I didn't say it Wednesday. I was really upset at the funny stop. I didn't end my set with my only dad joke because uh, I'd made some really bad Loch Ness monster dad joke on Facebook earlier with uh, the guy from Michigan that had like the Chris, the disco ball joke. Oh, yeah. He was on Facebook and uh, someone said they were possibly going to come to my set. And I told him, I was like, hey, you know, it's $6 if you do come. And he met, he commented, he was like, hey, I got 350 on it. And I was like, what are you, a prehistoric monster? <sighs> and he's like, oh, lakefront prices got expensive, so I moved inland. And so I made the complete dad joke. I'm like, 
Wow, you moved from a lake into a house? It must be really wet and messy in there. I'm done. I have to go. I'm sorry, Kevin. Can you pick me up? <laughs> Super dumb joke, but it is smart if you think about it. So I, I said that, and then I wanted to tell my dad joke on stage. Not that one. Obviously, I would never say that in front of people. I don't know if you might have been there one time at Post 32 when I told the joke about uh, I like my women like I like my wine, age 35 years. Which, when I thought of it when I was 10, was a fantastic joke, because I was 10 years old. So I'm turning that into a thing where it's, uh, you know, I say that, you know, when I was 10, it was a fantastic joke. But now that I'm 30, it's not a joke. People just go, well, no shit, that's your age bracket. But if I were to fast forward another 20 years, then the joke comes off as like, I like my women like I like my wine. Age 35 years. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> God, I could imagine like a jack in the box, like you just <laughs> you just like crank and it's like da 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 and it just comes up and says that. <laughs> Kids would be having nightmares for years. But yeah, I, I think that's I have a really good like old alcoholic laugh that I'm trying to figure out the right joke to kind of put it in there. And by old alcoholic laugh, you know, like that I love alcoholic laughs. Like, uh, do, did you ever watch Mob Wives? No. Big Ange. She was, like, this... She was a mob wife, and she, like, was in jail for a while for selling coke, but she, she's, like, a spirit animal. Her lips were, like, as big as my hand. She had, like, implants that could be described only as a medical mystery. And she would just go in there. She'd be like, I like cars. I like mansions. I like wise guys. <laughs> and, like, she's doing this, and I was just like... Yeah, the laugh that literally, like, you have no esophagus to follow up with. It's so great. <laughs> I, I want, like, I want to adopt an old person like that. Oh, dude. I, I cannot... Sorry, old people, but I can't stand you. Really? Dude, I worked at Taco Bell, and I came up with a theory that if you want to work with geriatrics, if you want to work with old people, you should work one year in fast food to realize if you really want to do it or not. Because old people, like they, older people want to be like, oh, millennials are the worst. They're so entitled. Fucking deal with someone who's 60. They're the biggest fucking douchebags in the world. They are so fucking rude, and they expect everything on a fucking silver platter. Like, it's wild. Are those boomers, or are they the ones before them? Boomers, technically, I think, would have been people born, like, 20s or 30s. So, really, when people... Really? Boomers? I thought boomers were, um, 40s. Was like it? after they oh, came home from World yeah, War Yeah, I was thinking World War One. But, but, yeah. But the generation before them is called the silent generation. Which, if you've ever talked to, a, like, an 80-year-old person, 70-year-old person, no. <laughs> they are not silent. They let you know exactly how they feel about it. Well, now, if you're talking to someone who's 70 or 80, they're boomers. Are they really? Let's see, 60, like, if they were born in the 40s. Oh, my goodness. They would be 60 in 2000. So, now they'd be 70, 80-ish age. I feel old. Like, I feel like I'm about to collapse into dust right this second. Oh, yeah, when I... When I was, like, uh, 18, people were like, oh, you feel older now? I'm like, nope, still feel 50. Bad knees, bad back, it's all there. I'm, I'm starting to get that. Like, my thighs were, like, hurting because, like, walking door to door to canvas. Like, I was like, I have never felt this old before. Like, 
I feel like I'm going to have to advertise I have that dap. Dry ass pussy. <laughs> yeah, like it's going to come out like white chicks. In <laughs> the movie, someone's going to blow dust. <gasps> Dude, my favorite joke from white chicks was when uh, the, the one's going on the date with Terry Crews. And he goes, oh, if he needs a condom, there's an extra shower curtain in the back. <laughs> I fucking lost it. That's like such a good joke. Terry Crews was half the reason I realized I'm into guys. Really? Oh my goodness. When I watched White Chicks when I was younger, I was like... Dude, him with the whistle and the glow sticks was fucking hilarious. <laughs> I love Terry. He, he, Terry Crews, as the kids would say, is a mood. So many moods for him. <laughs> yeah, he's a... I, I loved him in The Longest Yard, and it's not even like he had a big part in it, but everything he said was so fucking funny. He's a scene stealer. Oh, he is. Iconic. Was he the dad in Everybody Hates Guys? Yes. I, I That's don't need 37 this. cents worth of milk right there. I don't need this. My man got two jobs. I, I keep telling Kevin to get another job, mostly because I want to be able to say that. I want to have the privilege of telling someone, I have two jobs I can quit whenever I want. I've honestly, a lot of my adult life, I've had two or three jobs. Did your girl say it? Oh, that's, that's cute. You think I had a girl. <laughs> that's real cute. <laughs> but no, I uh, I just always, like, once I get in the the mode of working, I just kind of go, oh, well, that other job I could fit in and do around my other one. Now I would never do that since I started comedy. I would never do another two-job situation ever again because I want to be able to do comedy. And right now with the job I have and not having a car right now because of a car accident, it makes it rough to work at five in the morning, then get off work and then wait a couple hours to go to a comedy show and then have to say, leave at like midnight or get home at midnight and then be at work at five in the morning again. I take a lot of like, not a lot, but like once a week, I take like a fucking six hour nap when I don't plan on sleeping just because my body's like, shut down, Blake. Yeah, that's, I'm kind of going through a similar thing right now because I'm in college. I take 18 credit hours. I do comedy. I work full time. And then I do drug prevention theater programs in schools. What do you do with those? Oh, oh, these are hilarious. Um, they're plays that people that were written, you know, meant to be performed in like middle schools, rehabs, to kind of teach drug awareness and teach people to ask for help through the performing arts. I've been heckled though by like sixth graders before. <laughs> it's amazing because in one of the plays, I play this girl named Tracy, and Tracy, if you're into incel culture. Total Becky. She's like, you know, bombshell, hips, waist, whatever, popular girl in school. Gets on heroin with her boyfriend. At the end of it, her boyfriend's like, Tracy, you're disgusting. I'm not giving you any more freebies. You're disgusting. Blah, blah, blah. And then at that point, I cry, have a mental breakdown. That's when I decide to ask for help. So that's happening. He's like, Tracy, I'm breaking up with you. This little sixth grader is in Shaker Heights. He's just like... Yeah, Brendan, break up with that drug skank. <laughs> and I was like, dang, this sixth grade room is tough. It's like 20, it's like a, like 200 Simon Cowles watching me. <laughs> I saw a meme about D.A.R.E., like the D.A.R.E. program. It was like, man, fifth grade me was like, yeah, oh, never touch drugs. I say as I shoot up heroin. That, I, I used to hate people that did drugs. I get it. Because uh, my dad, a lot of the, the 
rhetoric about him growing up was he was an unreliable alcoholic. He was a piece of shit. You know, couldn't stop drinking. That's why he was no longer with my mom and stuff. Like I know him now as an adult. I'm sure the drinking played a part, but that's not why him and my mom broke up. Like they broke up because they're both just stubborn in their own ways. And I know that from growing up with my mom and I know that from living with my dad now. Like it wasn't his vices weren't the reason they broke up. They were never gonna be together even if he was sober. I also have a theory where pet peeves, whatever bothers you, is something you do. If you think of all your pet peeves and you really analyze them, you go, Oh yeah, I do do that a lot. And yeah. it kind of works the same. It's like the things you hate are the things that you hated drugs. I hated alcoholics because that's what I was told my Dad was an unreliable alcoholic. That's why he wasn't in my life. Grow up, start having alcohol, and I'm like, oh, I enjoy drinking. <laughs> For me, like, a lot of it, I think it was, like, repression. Because I was so repressed as a kid. I was, like, conservative. Like, I was, I would have made Donald Trump look like Bernie Sanders with how conservative I was when I was younger. All the kids, like, that did drugs in my high school were really mean to me. Like, they were always the meanest. They always That's had... surprising, because usually the people who do drugs don't give a fuck about anyone else. Oh, but I was popular with them after I paid 6000 for these implants. <laughs> I was getting invited to all the parties, and I realized, oh my goodness. Wait. And again, I think that's, like, that alpha thing of, like, you know, I joke, but, like, I, I probably it's, like, some mental thing that I want validation from people who rejected me for transitioning. So I seek out men that remind me of the people that initially caused that trauma in my youth. Oh, totally get it. Because oh, someone, where's my therapist notes? Because <laughs> I've been, I've been a big guy my whole life. Always have. I mean, I've yo-yoed around in weight because of like wrestling, weight loss competitions. Like I've been thinner than I am now and I've definitely been way bigger than I am now. But like, I used to have this thought like, oh, I'm going to lose weight one day. Like in high school, I'm, like, I'm going to lose weight. And if any of the girls that never gave me a chance when I was fat, wanted to be with me. I'm not going to be into it. And I know damn well that's not the truth. <laughs> if I lost a bunch of weight and then some of the girls that I found attractive were into me, there's no way that I'd be like, nope, not interested in you now. But it's like you have that thought and it's the exact opposite. Like I'm sure when before you had the implants, you're like, oh, these pieces of shit, I'll never give them the time of day. And then you had them and you're like, oh, I like this attention. I did, and then I was like, it's not worth anything. Yeah, it's not. I was I was just like, you know, especially the guys that were mean to me, because I did end up hanging out with you guys that were rather mean to me when I was younger. Sitting in the mom's basement, smoking weed, and like, you know you're on a good date when the guy looks at you. I'm going to do my guy voice for you. He looks at you, he's like, uh, my mom made meatloaf. You want any? <laughs> I was just like, oh my goodness, I hope the, there's a wedding ring The confidence of some guys surprises me because <laughs> I, like I said, low self-esteem and I didn't have a car for a long time and was, you know, I wasn't living with my parents. I was staying with people, but paying my share of the rent, sometimes paying two times more than anyone else just because I talked myself into doing that. But like, I couldn't, I couldn't like look at a girl and be like, well, I don't have a car. I'm working two jobs. Like. There were a lot of positives, but I turned them all into negatives for why girls wouldn't be interested. I could never, living in my mom's basement, ask a girl to come over. Like, <laughs> I could never fucking do that. Or offer the mama's meatloaf. 
I mean, I would do that. That's just rude if I'm going to eat the meatloaf. But, like, it was, like, I built it up so much in my head. Like, built it up like it was going to be this romantic, like, you know, it was going to be, like, an ABC, like, series where it's, like, oh, my goodness, that straight guy was mean to me. He's going to fall in love. He's going to be my Prince Charming. And then it's, like, do you want some of my mom's meatloaf? <laughs> I think that, like, kind of spurred my other, this is an interesting thing about my life. Adult film. Um, I used to do porn. And I think. How many, how many credits do you have? How many credits? Oh, you're an actress! I, I am. Uh, technically, oh my goodness. I am an actress. There is four studio. Then I did webcam work, um, which is like live chats. I did that for um, Streammate. And then did I have an OnlyFans. And, um, like, currently, do you still use it? Like, I if I use it, I mean, do you upload content still? I am not. I'm not the best at it anymore. Mm, anymore? <laughs> No, like, I, for a while, I was, like, I was, like, I wanted to be a mogul. Dude, like, dude you should, on your OnlyFans, put stand-up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I should, but, like, naked. That works. But I was just thinking, it was, like, that'd be a good way to figure out if your stand-up's good. Because, like, you probably already have subscribers, right? Yeah. Well, if you lose some subscribers after posting stand-up, you're, like, oh, maybe it's not that good. <laughs> oh, my God. I've, I've thought about... I. Because people tell me I need more of an online presence for stand-up. I, I, I'm struggling hard with that. I'm not good at going online and putting myself out there. Well, I have to convert all my porn stuff to comedy stuff. Because um, with what I'm majoring in school, porn is starting to look like a little bit of a liability for me. You know, just because yeah. I want to go into digital media production, broadcast journalism. Like, I want to be a pundit on yeah. TV. You, you're right. It is now, but there's a chance in five years it ain't going to be a big deal. Oh, we have Melania Trump as the first lady, and everyone knows she is the first trans lesbian woman in the White House. <laughs> By everyone, I'm not included because I did not ever have that thought. Really, no biological woman gets that much face work done. I am I sorry. Know. Have you ever seen Joan Rivers? Man. <laughs> it was Jonathan Rivers before. <laughs> it's comedy. How would we have gotten through nine eleven without comedy? <laughs> I don't know if she actually said that. Someone told me she said that once, though, so I just described that quote to her all the time. I'm I'm sure she fucking did. <laughs> That's the thing with like uh, we'll we'll end the last couple of minutes talking about comedy. Mm -hmm. It's this is the first comedian I've had on that we barely talked about comedy at <laughs> all. Because <laughs> usually I just like to talk about it, like I'm obsessed with it, but. Uh, Comedy is a way to get through things, and comedians, I think, put a higher value on it than most normal people do. Because, like, Joan Rivers is going, we never would have gone through it without comedy. That's something a comedian would fucking say when the average person would be like, what the fuck's comedy have to do with 9-11? Yeah, comedy, for me, like, when I started doing it, it's very, the longest time with therapists, I beat the dead horse of the trauma I had during the drug abuse, you know, the abusive boyfriends. You know, um, I make light of it now, but I mean, book did some really crappy stuff to me. You know, someone once I fell out, which is like they thought. Well, you were before you continue, it's that's an important hurdle to get over. When you can joke about it, you may not be completely over it, but that's like furthering the healing process. When you can look back at it and although it may not be something that's funny, if you can present it to other people in a funny way. Like, it helps you kind of deal with whatever happened. Yeah. I, I think also comedy, like, it helps broach serious topics with 
a little bit of light heart, not taking itself too seriously. Like, trans issues, like, it's weird, like, um, everyone says I'm from Mansfield, I'm not. But when I do those Mansfield shows, those people probably have never met a trans person, never seen a trans person. Probably before they met me, they probably had certain opinions about them. You know, but being able to open their mind to people like me and saying, we're normal, we don't take ourselves too seriously, we're not like the, like the, the caricatures that people like to paint us as. You know, so I think that's an important part and also being able for some topics, like a couple of those Mansfield shows, you know, someone came up to me and said, like, yeah, I can relate to you going through that stuff on drugs. Yeah, I 100% use stand-up as therapy. You've heard a couple of my sets, like, it's all shit that's happened to me that most people wouldn't admit to. Like, the first time I asked a girl out and she said, well, I like someone else more then I might date you. I was like, not many people who... Would be willing to tell people, oh yeah, that's how my first time asking a girl went. And it hurt. It obviously hurt me when that happened. But now I'm 15, 16 years older. And that helped develop my low self-esteem personality. But saying it out loud to people is a way of me kind of like, this is why I am the way I am. Because I have so many friends that, like, oh, well, why don't you talk to girls? Like, why don't you do this? It's like, if you knew all the times when I did try and how it went, you would understand. And it's not saying that is the right thing. Like, I should be more outgoing with people. Like, I'm not the worst person in the world. But mentally, because how I live my life and the reactions I got younger, that's what my brain tells me. It's like, you're a piece of shit. But at least I'm not in a basement asking a girl if she wants my mom's meatloaf. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, who's that comedian? I, I don't know if I just, I don't know who said the quote, like, it's like, tragedy plus time equals comedy. I don't know who said it, but I've heard that too. That's probably one of the truest things, oh, yeah. you know, about comedy, because I mean, having that perspective on it. Um, also, I think it's like how much you focus on something too, you know, because if you watch like a comedy movie, there was this one TV show, I forget the name of it, this girl dies, a toilet seat falls from a plane onto her head. <laughs> Now, think about it. If you're that girl's, like, family and stuff. Oh, it sucks. Tragedy. It's fucking terrible. But, like, if, if I was just reading a story, and it was, like, some random person in, like, Alabama or something. Oh, yeah, disconnect really helps. Yeah, and it's like, wait, what? A toilet seat fell on someone? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, there's so many things, but, again, you know, the comedy helps broach those darker topics. Yeah. i talked about this before. I don't think I articulated it very well on this podcast. But I think of, like, spectrums of everything that happens in the world. Like, if you could put every possible situation in a line and then have a secondary line for each individual person, everything on that first spectrum can be found funny. There's a way to make a joke about everything in this world that happens. Now, that second line is the individual line, where there's certain things that happen to the individual that erases the other spectrum. Is like, that's no longer funny to me. Say someone overdosed on drugs and died, they're closest people are not going to find a lot of jokes about someone overdosing on drugs funny but there's ways to make overdosing on drugs funny yeah there is ways but if it's been ruined for that individual they're never going to find it funny how do you feel about like the whole like um because i mean it, it's so weird like at the republican national convention they're talking about cancel culture but like how do you feel like that's affected comedy i think it affected it for a while like really changed how comics did things but i think dave chappelle and bit like the kings of comedy now coming out and railing against it, like saying the things that they, other comics know you're not supposed to say helped get kind of comedy back where it was supposed to be joking about everything. Cause like uh, Dave Chappelle's like last couple of specials have been really 
social conscious or even, you know, he had a lot of like transphobic jokes where mm-hmm. people are like, you're transphobic. And he's like, the best, best trans joke I've ever heard was he's like, yeah, you know, I just, uh, I wanted to stop writing trans jokes. You know, people said they were wrong, but I just can't stop fucking doing it. Like the way he, obviously I'm not Dave Chappelle, didn't mm-hmm. present it the right way, but like, that's funny. The fact that he's like admitting, he's like, yeah, I know it's getting me into trouble, but I can't stop fucking writing jokes about it. Yeah, like I find trans jokes hilarious. I mean, no, and that's part of the reason why, like, I didn't know that was your first set when I first saw you. Mm-hmm. One, you were up there for like 30 fucking minutes. <laughs> and two, like, you have a, you've lived a life to talk about. And you make a lot of jokes about being gay or trans, depending on how you present the joke. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're willing to be honest about those situations that other people have not been in, but they know exist, that's what makes you so funny. It's like you have an honesty about a lot of shit people have never dealt with, but you went through it and you're willing to talk about it. And that's what makes you funny. That's probably why you find trans jokes funny. <laughs> There's only one... The only time I'm offended by a trans joke is if it's not funny. No. That that's the only thing where because I, I mean there's like the played out tropes, but I feel like that's that's not really like cancel culture. I feel like that's just like a bad comedy. Yeah, uh, the way I put it, because I've obviously been made fun of for being fat mm-hmm. a lot, and it's like if you're just gonna say the same old shit, I'm not gonna find it funny. But if you make an intelligent fucking joke, like it's that's where I like my comedy. I know my comedy isn't intelligent, but if you can make an intelligent joke, like makes me think and I'll be like, oh, that was good. Like that's where I'm at. Like, and I'm sure probably with a trans joke, if it's really well crafted, misdirection and comes back or something like that's where it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like I, I don't like when they're just like, oh. Well, I'm just going to transition into an attack helicopter and a Walgreens (laughs) gift card. You made someone feel way funnier at Post 32 one night to the point where his ego got so big he trashed someone on his second fucking set ever because he made a trans show basically like, oh, she had a dick. And like, you laughed because it appeals to you as a person. (laughs) Just because I've been in those situations. But like, you gave him a big old fucking laugh. Totally get it. But he came off the stage and, uh, Told another comedian, uh, Andrew Holland, the the host at Funny Stop, I think he's fucking hilarious. But he told him, yeah, well, I got more laughs than you. And I was like, shut the fuck up. It's an open mic, dude. You're no better than anyone else here. Fucking calm your shit. But it's like, I, I, I'm sorry. That gets brought up way too much on this podcast, that fucking moment. Just because that's the kind of comic that I don't think should be in comedy. No, yeah. Like, if you're going to fucking judge someone else and be like, well, I was funnier than you, it's like, Keep that to yourself. This is hard. Doing comedy is difficult. So if someone's trying it, don't put them down. Even if you don't like their fucking set, don't put them down. If you have constructive criticism, say it. But don't tell them, like, well, I'm funnier than you. Like, yeah, tonight. But if we have a different group of fucking six people, I might be funnier to them than this group of fucking six you made laugh tonight. Um, I have a, this is a random thing about comedy i have a list of like guys who have no, like brads that you want to marry no like guy, like if i'm ever single again <laughs> guys who have made jokes about hooking up with a tranny because a lot of times comedy is based on truth i guarantee you those guys making those jokes a lot of the time they've probably done it at least once mm-hmm. so i'm just like okay if i'm ever single like this is the list that i need to get through i'm take my chances <laughs> 
Well, we're about at the time limit for how long I like those shows to run, but it was really fun talking to you. Do you have anything you want to promote before we end the show? Guys, um, if you want our OnlyFans. <laughs> um, Irene, um, I do a lot of stuff with um, Eargasm. Probably give them a plug here. Those guys are amazing. They do the stay-at-home show every Friday. That is just um, Facebook. I believe it's just Eargasm Comedy on Facebook. Um, a lot of my stuff is on there. I am featured on their Saturday night show at 7 p.m. Random Tandem. Occasionally on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Deep Space. And uh, Fridays at 7 p.m. Um, Eargasm, uh, the stay-at-home show. Well, guys, I would suggest checking her out. I thought she was hilarious from her first set, and she normally kills fucking room, so I don't think you'll regret looking her up, especially if you happen to find her OnlyFans. Have a good night.